the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton. Drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome to the show. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show, just shoot me an email. It's chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com. Kind of an interesting week. We've got hearings on UFOs. We've got Mitch McConnell appeared to have a mini stroke on live TV yesterday, which was, I just, I'll just leave it at that because the news is there. We've got rumors of researchers saying that they've discovered a new room temperature ambient pressure superconductor. Of course, many scientists are unconvinced on that one, but if, if, if that turns out to be true, that's going to be pretty revolutionary. Um, but a lot of times, a lot of these, uh, news flashes, especially when interesting things like this all come at once, it makes you wonder what you're being distracted from, right? I don't know. Maybe that's just me these days. We've got also one of the busiest weeks of earnings reports for the second quarter wrapping up this week. I always look forward to FactSet's earnings insight, um, that, uh, comes out on, on Friday. So sometimes by the end of Friday and, or, or reading it on Monday. But um, not an update yet after this very busy week. But it's interesting because we are seeing another decline in profit margins for the S&P 500. Um, and there there will be likely a small earnings decline, not as much as the 6 to 9% that was expected at the beginning of the quarter as we get to more of an arranged soft landing versus this most well-advertised um, recession that never really happened. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the reports come out. Um, there is a lot of other news when it comes to earnings and interest rates and things like that. As I go through those stories, it always just reminds me if, as I almost hit the 29th year in the business of the stories all kind of end up sounding the same. There's just different characters in it. Um, so the markets do ebb and flow. And just remember that if you look at the last 50 years, the S&P 500 has averaged over 11%. Uh, it's positive about 74% of the time. The average decline in the uh, 26% of the time it was negative was down 14%. And you go through periods of undervalued, fairly valued, and overvalued. And so right now, what we saw is a lot of tech stocks this year that have rallied significantly with the, the QQQ 
and which is the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 have become more similar in terms of what they hold because of the weighting. So a lot into the tech stocks and everybody was bracing for a recession. But in a sense, we already saw a huge decline in those stocks in 2022 and just a, a simply a rebound so far in 2023. So if you look at many of those positions that are way up this year, if you look at them from January 1st of 2022, or even all the way back to October on the last peak, many of those stocks are still slightly negative. So it puts it in a little bit of a perspective. And then we, if we look at other asset classes, whether it's small cap or, or value stocks or the rest of the market, that's only been a, ma- a rally for about a month or so. So there's still some value. Some things have gone to overvalued, but there's still a lot of value out there in the market. And you got to you know keep investing and you also got to make sure you're not taking too much risk for those that are going into retirement. If you're a person that's aggressive and you're 20, 30, 40, even 50 years old and you're super aggressive, I don't care. That's totally up to you as long as you can weather the storm and the downturn. And when other things decline, like they did last year, you're thinking about buying versus, oh my gosh, maybe this is different. I should be selling. That's fine. But as you get closer to retirement, asset allocation and wealth management what that it doesn't mean that you're outperforming the market in the good years. It means you're keeping up with the market in the good years on your stock market style positions, but you should be going down less than the overall market in the bad years so that you level out your returns over time. I've given examples in events that we do where you can have two different portfolios. One that is guaranteed at 6% for 10 years, which you know doesn't exist right now. But if you had a portfolio with 6% a year for 10 years versus I show another portfolio that is a result of a mutual fund, that over a 10-year period, it's still average 6%. When you added up all of the years and the returns, it's still average 6% a year, but the resulting portfolio value is actually less. It's game of math. And so sometimes the idea of Asset allocation and wealth management, when you're trying to smooth out your returns over time, means that, yeah, in a really super up year, like where specific large cap growth stocks in the S&P 500 are rallying, you might underperform a little bit, but over the long run, you should be better off by reducing volatility in your portfolio, smoothing out returns, especially as you start withdrawing your portfolio. Math is different when you're adding your portfolio versus the math that occurs when you're pulling money out of the portfolio. So it's just, just keep that in mind. A couple of things else to keep in mind. I was going to go over on this uh, today. IRS. IRS is a private wealth magazine reported on the 24th that the IRS is going to use 80 billion. It's going to receive over 10 years from the $1.7 trillion inflation reduction act of 2022 to crack down on wealthy tax evaders. Um, there's been a decade of budget cuts that prevented the IRS from keeping pace with what they say is increasingly complicated set of tools in the private wealth magazine that the wealthiest taxpayers use to hide their income and avoid paying taxes on their share. Now, the if, if anybody uses that term, um, the wealthy don't pay taxes, they obviously haven't done tax returns before because there is a lot of benefits for people at lower income that with, especially with children and other things that you're not going to pay a lot of taxes until you reach certain thresholds. But that idea that the wealthy don't pay enough taxes is, is 
I don't see it in my practice in the last 28, 29 years. I think it's, it's a political ploy that's used. And I think that wealthy people don't mind paying taxes if they know where their money is going to go. And when you live in cities like San Francisco and Portland and, you know, Chicago and New York, you're fed up. You're done. You're just like, this is where my tax dollars going. This is the disaster. And you have the last couple of presidents where you have increased budget deficits and fiscal irresponsibility. So I think that's the issue. But the IRS is getting more money to go after the wealthy. And there are people that abuse it. I, I have to deal all the time with client business owners that get pitched tax schemes by people that um, I don't think have a lot of good values. So um, some of the ones that the IRS has been going after lately. So there's been a lot of people that have wanted to move out of states like California and Oregon and things like that um, because of what's been going on. So people have been use, abusing what's called the 1031 exchange. That's where if you want to sell a property that's used in trade or business, like a rental property, and you want to sell that, and do a 1031 exchange where you avoid paying taxes on all of your gains as long as you go into a different rental property. Um, there's ways to do that. We're going to talk about that in the show. But people have been falling for scams where they're they're doing it on their primary residence. So let's say they want to move out of the Bay Area. They bought a house, you know, 20 years ago. And they got a huge gain, well over the the when you're single, you get to sell your home. If you meet the certain criteria, if you have over $250,000 a gain or half a million dollars a gain, if you're married filing jointly, in some cases, people have way more than that. And they're falling for scams that are using 1031 exchanges for primary residents. So that's one of them. Uh, IRS seems to be going after people a lot that have uh, accounts overseas that they're not reporting. There's certain ways that you're supposed to report that on a tax return. So if you have an account overseas, you, you need to report it. And it's just any other abusive tax shelters that they're investigating, um, syndicated cons conservation easements, abusive micro-captive insurance company arrangements, and abusive charitable remainder annuity trusts where people are taking a really useful tool, which I might have time to talk about later in the show, and abusing it to pay little to no taxes at all. Think you're in good shape for retirement? Find out how you're really doing with the seven tests of retirement readiness. Join Rob Black and CFP Chad Burton of EP Wealth Advisors Thursday, August 24th in Los Gatos. They'll walk you through these seven tests to find out whether you are really ready for the retirement you want. Rob will provide timely commentary and Chad will share specific strategies for taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, and more. If you have at least 500000 in investable assets and want to retire better, pass on your estate, and minimize taxes, this event is for you. Find out if you're on the right track with the seven tests of retirement readiness. Thursday, August 24th, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Los Gatos Toll House Hotel. Space is limited, so sign up today at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Can you pass all seven tests? Sign up today online at chadburton.com. Real quick, I wanted to mention this because this is, gosh, this year is going by really, really fast. And starting in 2024, if you earn more than $145,000 in the prior calendar year, if you're doing catch-up contributions to a 401k because you're 50 or older, that's going to have to go into a Roth. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing because that Roth 401k grows tax-free, 
but it might mean you're going to pay extra taxes. So a lot of people put those catch up contributions into a pre-tax account versus an after tax. And I don't really like this law because a lot of times people that are doing the catch up contributions, the reason why they're able to save more and put in that extra amount of money once they turn 50 or older is because they typically finally have kids out of college. They don't have kids in the house and they're, they're trying to catch up. And in some cases, some people are better off with the tax deduction doing it pre-tax because they haven't saved enough and they're going to be at a lower bracket in retirement anyways. And in some cases, it's a good thing because people have saved plenty and it's all pre-tax in the 401k and it's good to build up a tax-free Roth account. So that's coming. But the, the challenge is going to be those self-employed people that have what's called individual 401ks because a lot of the plans, uh, the boilerplate plans that were out there removed the Roth side. Now they're going to have to add it back in for those people. So interesting time coming for all that for retirement plans in 2024. Um, I wanted to hit on a couple things this show, concentrated stock positions and concentrated real estate positions, if we have time for both of them. Now, what I mean by concentrated stock is when somebody has a significant net worth built up in a single stock. So obviously our planners deal with this quite a bit with uh, many of our over 80 certified financial planners. A lot of them are in California and in the Bay Area and, and uh, places like that. So um, we get, you know, Apple, Cisco, Microsoft, KLA Tencore. I mean, it's just all over the place. And so how do people end up with concentrated stock? Well, they have stock options. They have RSUs um, and ESPPs where you're buying the employer stock at a discount and holding on to them. Now, as you end up with concentrated stock, if you work for a company and you already have way too much of your assets in that company's stock, plus they pay you, plus they provide all your benefits. If you have RSUs, restricted stock units, where they vest, as soon as they vest, you should be selling those and investing somewhere else because there's no reason to continue to hold them. As RSUs vest, they're 100% taxed. They withhold, they sell a little bit to, to withhold some of the taxes and then the rest is up to you to sell. Now, some people have to wait for a trading window because of restrictions if they are considered insiders. But that is the proper way to do it is to systematically start selling those RSUs as they vest so you don't increase your concentrated stock position. Uh, now, if you you know worked for Apple over the many, many years, you're not going to regret the net worth that you built up. But as you go into retirement, it becomes a little scary to have all of your assets in one stock. Just ask anybody that was invested in WorldCom or Enron or anything else. And also when you get a law of large number situation where a company becomes so large, it becomes hard to start growing revenue at the continued pace. So the larger you are, the harder it is to grow your revenue by double digits to keep up with the pace of a high valuation in your stock. And you go through periods of time where that concentrated stock will underperform the S&P 500. Uh, I mean, obviously Cisco Systems is one. Uh, Trimble Navigation is another one that did outperform many years. But when you look at the, the total return over the last five years, it's less than the S&P 500. And you don't want to have too much risk going into retirement. So when you're working for a company, a lot of people have trading rules or windows that they're allowed to trade in because they might be privy to certain financial information for the company. So they have restrictions. 
Now, there is ways around that. There's something called a 10B51 plan where you can set up a systematic selling program where every quarter a certain amount is sold. Um, and so there's, there is something that allows you to do that. So you can systematize the reduction of your concentrated stock position a 10B51. Um, so some companies offer that. And sometimes you can couple that with using options like selling calls and buying puts to hedge. But a lot of companies restrict any option selling on the company stock if you work for them. So some of what I'm going to talk about often happens at retirement where you're no longer subject to the trading windows and, the, and things like that. That's where it becomes more important. So hopefully you've built up other assets and 401k and other things besides this highly concentrated stock position. But once you retire, that might be a primary source of income. So there's several ways to deal with a highly concentrated stock position where a majority of your assets are is in one stock. So one of them is just systematic selling. You just go to the account and you say, okay, I'm going to sell X number of shares every month in order to support my lifestyle. That doesn't really reduce any risk for going into retirement with all of your eggs in one basket. It really doesn't. Now there's hedged selling using options. And what that means is that let's say you're working this year, but you are retiring next year. So you're at a really high bracket and you know, you want to sell a big chunk of, of these shares. Um, and as long as you're allowed to use options in this situation, you can do what's called a caller using options. So options, the way that most advisors think of options when it comes to stocks is a way to either protect wealth or to create extra income while you know you are trying to, to, to whittle down a position. So what I mean by options is when you buy or sell an options, you're usually uh, buying the right to buy a stock or, or hedging on the downside. So let me try to explain this real quick. And if you own a stock, you can sell a call on that stock. What that means is that if you own a stock that's trading at a hundred bucks, you could sell a call option to somebody else that gives them the right to, tr to buy the stock from you at 120 bucks. So what happens is as soon as you sell that call, you get cash dumped into your account. And if that stock goes to say 125, you've sold the right to somebody else to buy it from you at 120. But when you know you wanted to reduce the position anyways, that's okay because you're like, if it goes up by 20%, that's enough to help pay my taxes. So I was going to move on anyways. So that's a covered call situation where you own the stock, you sell a call and you get money dumped into your account. Now you can use that money to dump that's dumped into your account to buy a protective put. So that means an option that gives you the right to sell at a specific price. So maybe you use that money that you got from selling the call to buy a protective put that allows you to sell the stock at 90. So if all of a sudden the stock tanks and you're trying not to sell it until January, let's say it goes from 100 down to 70. Well, you have the right to buy it, to sell it at 90. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. I was talking about one option, which is, hey, I got a chunk of stock I know I want to sell, but I'm trying to maybe put off the date of the sell. So I want to have some certainty in terms of upside and downside. 
on what I'm going to get out of this stock. So I can sell some calls, which can limit my upside, but I can use the income that I create from selling those calls and buy protective puts. That's called a caller. And sometimes you can do that without a cost where the call income that you get from selling the calls, you use that to buy the puts and it creates a a caller around the stock. So you have some certainty and, okay, I know what I'm going to get if I try to push this sell out, you know, three to six months. Now, sometimes when people have a large concentrated stock position, but they're not in a massive hurry to sell because if it has a, a rough year or so, it's not going to drastically affect their financial plan, but they still want to create some income along the way um, while they're holding it. Essentially, they know if the stock continues to go up, they're going to want to sell anyway. So in, in that kind of a situation, you can just do selling covered calls. So again, if a stock is trading at a hundred bucks, um, let's say you sell some calls that expire, uh, you sell some a hundred uh, calls at one twenty where they expire in three months, and when you sell those calls, you get some money dumped into your account. And if the stock never reaches above 120 you you win and you just keep the cash if it goes to 130 somebody has the right to buy it from you at 120 right so limit some of your upside but it can create some extra income usually in you know decent amount of four to six percent range when the stock is flat uh trading slightly up or, or down it creates some extra income so pretty nice way to do that so typically you're kind of doing these every 90 days, but, but manage them. It's a, it's an active management situation when you're dealing with these types of calls. It's not something that I want you to try to do on your own. We use very specific people to do these types of options trades. It's not rocket science, but it is active management. The other option that you can use for highly concentrated stock, these are out there, um, not as highly executed, but there's these things called exchange funds. There's a way that you could say, okay, I'm going to take my highly concentrated stock position that has a really low cost basis. If I sell it, I'm going to get killed in taxes. So I want to be more diversified. I don't need money anytime soon. So you can put it into what's called an exchange fund if you meet certain investor criteria. And then after a certain amount of time, usually you know seven to 10 year period, you will get back a, pers- a portfolio of more diversified stocks. Same cost basis though. So it doesn't really do anything to deal with the tax situation it just helps diversify a bit more um and you know it's 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 often hard to find an exchange fund that's going to accept some of the stocks that everybody has highly concentrated positions in like apple microsoft and some other ones so exchange fund is another option there's also a way to do an exchange fund replication where you're just trying to say you know what i've got this individual stock a huge position in say Apple or Microsoft, that's kind of a bad example because the S P 500 is so close with those stocks. But let me just explain what we do. Remember what I was talking about when you have that, that caller situation where you sell calls and buy protective puts. Well, an option trader is able to do just the opposite on say the S P Y ETF, which is the S and P 500. And so you can all of a sudden make your portfolio act like the S&P 500. So it, it creates less volatility in some cases when you have all of you know your money in one stock, you can make it act more like a diversified S&P 500 portfolio. And again, you'd want to be on that one, you have to realize that typically if you have 
my Apple and Microsoft, which are six, 7% of the S and P 500, you're, you will get, you know, more diversified, but it's, it's, you know, it's part of the S and P 500 right now. It's a large part of it, but it is an option that's out there for people. So there's more out there than just systematic selling. There's ways to create extra income while you're still holding the position, exchange fund, exchange fund replications. And finally, one of my favorite options that's out there for people that are, you know, 50 and above and have some sort of charitable intent that they want to leave something to charity when they pass away is called a charitable remainder trust. And so, you know, one example that I looked at recently for, for people that were looking at a charitable remainder trust is, um, 52 year old, they had a, a lot of money in an individual stock. And so in this case, we had a, a target amount that they wanted to leave to charity after they passed away. So what better way to look at this than say, okay, well, well, let's, let's see if we can fund that goal now, but also get some really good tax benefits. So in this case, if they had a million dollar concentrated stock position that had a $750,000 gain. Now, if they sold all of that, they'd pay state and federal taxes of almost 200 grand on that gain if they wanted to liquidate that. But instead, they can create a charitable remainder trust. And it takes some time to do this. It's it's consideration because it you know it takes some work. You got to meet with an attorney. You got to pay a pretty decent fee to get the trust created. You're the trustee typically. Um, you don't have to pick a final charity because you could open up what's called a donor advice fund and determine who gets the money after you die later on. But in this scenario, they decided that, okay, I'm going to put in a million dollars and I'm going to take out 5% per year. So what they could do is they could take their highly concentrated position in Microsoft of a million dollars. They put it inside the charitable remainder trust. They can immediately sell all of that stock without paying any current taxes and put it into a diversified portfolio. Now, by funding that charitable remainder trust as a 52-year-old, they're going to take out 5% a year. The tax deduction that they would get would be somewhere around $158,000. So they would get an, an actual charitable deduction for the remainder amount that's going to go to charity after they die. So their age and how much they're going to pull out to live while they're alive determines the income tax deduction. But in their case, this was going to save them about fifty-five dollars to $60,000 of income taxes to do that. So not only are they able to take a million dollars of this huge amount of Microsoft stock that they have, get it diversified uh, without any current income taxes, start to create an income stream out of it, and they get a big tax deduction. Now, sometimes if people have already retired, what we use that big tax deduction for is to do a large IRA to Roth conversion so that that tax gets paid for essentially by the deduction that you're used for funding the trust. And then all of a sudden, boom, you got this huge Roth IRA growing tax-free for the rest of your lives, the rest of the life of your spouse, and another 10 years for your kids. So it can be a very powerful tool. What you have to realize is that what's left over is going to go to charity. And again, there's ways to set that up so you don't have to pick your favorite charity right now. When you're doing all these things, it's very important not to just get sold an idea, right? You've got to look at different options. So one of the things that our certified financial planner practitioners do is, you know, fee only fiduciaries is to model these different scenarios. We have very detailed financial planning software. You hear me talk about it on ads all the time where it pulls in all of your accounts and 
you know, it estimates taxes. It, it does all of this stuff. So our clients, when they log into their financial planning website, they can see their cash flow for the long run. They can see how much taxes they're projected to pay every year, including when they have to start taking money out of their IRAs at age 73. They, you can see all of that, but you also have to run different scenarios. And one of the scenarios that you will, will run, that we run for people is what's called a Monte Carlo simulation. And when you have a very highly concentrated stock position or a portfolio that's very aggressive, you get hit a bit on the Monte Carlo simulations. That means that what it does is it takes a look at your current portfolio and how you're going to you know, pull money out over your lifetime, how long you're going to live. And it takes, what has the stock market done historically? It randomizes those returns. It runs a thousand different plus scenarios to say, what's the probability of success in this situation? And so the idea of doing this is to, you have to model the long-term, what's a better, what's a better situation? Should I just start selling it and pay the taxes? Should I hedge it and push off the tax bill? Should I do a little bit of both, do some hedging, some, you know, selling calls to create some extra income? Um, should, you know, like I said, sell it all the once, pay the taxes and move on. What's, what's going to look better for me, my spouse and my kids over the long run. So you have to be able to clearly see all of those different scenarios before you make a decision like this and, you know, run mock tax returns and all sorts of different situations. But there are some really, really good tools out there to help systematize the selling and doing some hedging with highly concentrated stock positions. And I'm talking about this, all of our advisors are talking about this a lot lately because we've had such a run-up in tech stocks. Now, a lot of tech stocks still have not recovered to their November 2021 highs. But people remember what that was like back in November, and then they will remember the tech stocks dropping 35% the following year in 2022. That is one thing to deal with when you're working and you're still putting money into your 401k and you're still buying ESPP shares and you're still saving money after tax. As soon as you retire, your risk tolerance is going to change drastically. You could be a very aggressive investor now that always wants to buy more when the stocks fall because you know it's temporary and you get excited on a 20% decline because you know that's the best buying opportunity in the next five years probably. But when you retire, it's totally different. You're not getting a paycheck and feeding the portfolio anymore. You're looking at this portfolio. It's got, man, that's got to last 35 plus years. And so those types of declines, you know, if you have $2 million and it's a 10% decline, that's $200,000 down on paper. If it's 20% decline, that's $400,000 loss on paper. That is way more scary when you are retired and that's your limited resource. So you have to make sure you start realizing that and taking steps to create more diversification, less volatility. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kid's college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts regardless of where they're held. 
Information is updated each day at the end of market close, and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com, and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. We'll be hearing the ads for the event Rob Black and I are doing, Los Gatos, August 24th. Seven key retirement tests that you need to pass before you pull the trigger and say, yep, I'm going to retire. Let's, let's go for it. I'm, I'm done. So seven tests, doing some podcast stuff on it soon. And then uh, hope to see important person August 24th. So check that out. You can set up at chatburn.com. You, you know, I was con- talking about concentrated stock, but, um, and then you're talking about real estate issues and people leaving areas like San Francisco and Portland and all these cities that were so poorly run and overridden by riots and, and homeless and things like that. And, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I, I really truly believe we need more mental health care in this world, in this, this country, because I think that's the issue with homelessness and there's just not enough support there, but, also, you know, city leaders let some of these town, these these cities get trash. Portland, uh, Chicago, San Francisco, Oakland. It's just it's just awful to see. I mean, Portland four or five years ago was a beautiful city, and now it's just a dump. Um, so don't bother moving to Portland. I can tell you that right now. Everybody's moving right across the, the water to Vancouver and Camas and Ridgefield and places like that. And speaking of that, people are, as they leave California, they're, they're also exiting rental properties that they've had for years. There's issues that I'm seeing out there in terms of rules on raising rents. I had one client lose uh, their insurance on a Los Altos office building, and they had to go quickly find some new one because so many insurance companies are pulling out. And then also a, 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 home, a rental home in El Dorado Hills, all in within a two-week period. Now, there's a couple of options left, but it's getting tough. So between rent control, insurance issues, silly claims, like if anybody owns an office building, you know, you probably get that lawsuit of, you know, somebody not being able to access your building for some reason. And so you got to settle. Um, but as, as people retire and they've owned these buildings for a long period of time, they also realize like, oh man, I've, I've owned this rental property for 20 plus years. I'm at the point where I'm going to have to put a good chunk of money into it to re-rent it or keep the the ability to raise rent. And I just don't want to do that anymore. I don't want the management. I don't want the costs. And now is the time, people, to really study your Schedule E for your rental properties. Your Schedule E will tell you everything, right? That's your. It's basically your profit and loss for your rental property. And especially if you've owned a rental property for a long period of time and you're pretty much out of depreciation and that overall tax benefit. And then you look at your income minus your expenses, including taxes and setting aside a certain amount for maintenance, um, property manager and all those things. I'm seeing people that have, you know, homes worth one and a half million, two million dollars that they're renting out and their net income is 2%. 2%. So that means, well, if I'm going to own and take the risk of owning a rental property, I better get price appreciation on that thing consistently going forward of 6% or more. And with interest rates and, you know, where people are moving and things like that, that's tough to deal with. You know, people have been able to deal with lower income on rental properties and in the Bay Area for a long time. And 
because of the price appreciation was there. Now you got to question that. And as you go into retirement, you just don't want the headaches. So a lot of people are looking to do 1031 exchanges of their rental properties, either out of the state to somewhere else or into passive investments that we've talked about in the past. I probably won't have a lot of time to get to all of it today because we're running out of time. I've done other podcasts on it. But let's say you're going into retirement and you're like, I don't want to manage this thing anymore. And I'm getting less than 5% income, net income. I'm talking about after all the expenses and everything else, there are other options out there that you can 1031 exchange into. When you do a 1031 exchange before you put the property for sale, you have to notify the real estate agent. I'm doing a 1031 exchange. Every party needs to know that. And when the home is sold, it's held by what's called a qualified intermediary. So when you sell that rental property, you have 45 days to identify other properties that you're going to go into. And you can use, there's a couple of different rules in terms of naming those properties, either a three property rule or a 200% rule. And there's one other one, but you have 45 days to identify that. And if you can't find something within 45 days and then close on those properties within 180 days of the sale, then you're going to end up paying taxes on it. So it's, it takes some planning going into it. But there are some really decent passive income options from companies that have been around for in the real estate business for quite a while. They're called, they offer what's called Delaware Series Trust accounts, where, or not accounts, but properties where you can go in and own a part of a building leased to Amazon or FedEx or an industrial property or multifamily or senior living or self storage and get somewhere in the neighborhood of four to 6% passive net income without management duties. Now, typically these things are the good ones and and doing a deep dive in it. There's really only about five to seven really good ones out there, in my opinion. And it's also a business that I found that is really riddled with commissions and high fees. And so that's why I'm, you know, there's ways to pioneer it in terms of the fee only fiduciary based world for those investors that are out there looking to get into passive real estate. Um, the, when you, when you do these DSTs, there's some of them will, you know, most of the time they're going to be selling the property every five to seven years and you're going to have to decide on a new deal. If you find the right ones that are DSTs that plan on doing a 721 exchange, you can basically go into a building that's, you know, fully leased out. And the plan is, is that in two years, a REIT, a real estate investment trust that has, you know, diversified hundreds of properties in it will buy that property. And so you go from your rental property into a single building for a couple of years into a diversified REIT with all sorts of other benefits after that. So there is ways to do it without paying taxes and to kind of get out of the management world. If you have questions on that, you can shoot me an email. It's chat at chadburton.com. That's chat at chadburton.com. It is uh, an interesting situation to watch real estate in the next couple of years. You've got you know, increase in population that's going to be a demand for housing. But what are all what's going to be done with all these empty office buildings? Where's the opportunity there? Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. You can find the podcast, links to the seminar signups, chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Have a great day. Three-star 
General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.